Hello, Doug. Hello, Karen. And Here my we... God, almost happy April. Wow. Crazy. It is crazy. Um, so here we are um, on Hollywood Boulevard. And it's great to be back. And um, what are we talking about? Well, I can talk about some movies. I'm a movie guy. I see okay. some things. Okay, great. And all of these movies, you had sent me the list earlier, and I was like, I know nothing. So I'm a blank slate. <laughs> My tabula rasa co-host. Um, yeah, I can, I'm happy to just dive in. Um, I'm trying to think, are they all available on, uh, streamers? No, but okay. the first one that I will talk about alphabetically is it's on Hulu. It's called another round. It's a Danish movie. So you have to read it as much as you have to watch it, but I have to tell you, I recommend it. It was really good. I've been and, so digging like the foreign film, like the foreign um, TV series that like are on Netflix and stuff like that. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm so okay with this as long as it's good. Yeah, I think it's really good, and it's written and directed by Thomas Winterberg, who is part of that Danish collective that did the Dogma '95 movement. Uh, it also includes Lars von Trier. A lot of weird, often dark, often crazy um very extreme type of movies uh that i generally really take to so i was not surprised to like this but all things considered it's a bit lighter and like visually a bit sunnier than a lot of uh Vinterberg's other films it's about four teachers in a fairly affluent neighborhood working at what seems to be a fairly affluent school who are kind of in an emotional existential rut and come up with the idea based on um, a, a, a psychologist's writing to always keep their blood alcohol level at a 0.05%. <laughs> so <laughs> they will literally be feeling very little pain and, and it actually does work. It, rejiggers their life. Um, they have different sort of home situations uh, and and whatever stasis they're in, it throws them all off of it. And at first for like in positive ways. And then they up the ante a little bit. They, they try and get their blood alcohol level perpetually higher. And then they say they should why don't we pursue binge drinking and see what this does for us? Oh my God, this and is it, the movie for me. And it actually works until it doesn't. And then okay. there are more consequences. So um, I do think it is a you movie. It's just about two hours and it is subtitled, but I really loved it. And do you know, you probably won't know any of the other actors, but the protagonist is Mads Mikkelsen. who oh. was in a host of Danish movies. He was on the Hannibal uh, TV series. He was in That's Casino Royale. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so what I think he's, so he's in it and I think he's wonderful. Quite frankly, he's not nominated, but he would be my best leading actor performance of the year. It's, mm -hmm. it's really quite a tour de force. Um, and he also, it also taps into Matt Mickelson's own personal backstory as a dancer. They factor that into the movie as well. Um, so it's the, the like right kind of anarchic mischief 
that I, I often like in my storytelling. Okay. So I really liked it. Uh, highly recommend it. It is a front runner for best foreign language film or international film, as they now call it at the Oscars. And it also sneaked in with the surprise best director nomination as well. So um, good on you, Academy. Yeah, this is one that I highly recommend. And again, you can find it on Hulu. Awesome. Okay, what else we got? Uh, an actual Best Actor nominee and also a Best Picture nominee this year called The Father, which now completes all of this year's awards films. Uh, it's an adaptation of a play that I saw on Broadway a few years back with Frank Langella. Anthony Hopkins has taken over that role. Olivia Coleman plays the role of his daughter. And it's a look of, at an aging man with dementia. Um, I wanted to see this because I, yeah, it sounded really good and I love Olivia Coleman. So, what did you think? Well, I wasn't crazy about the play. Okay. And the movie pretty much adheres to the play. So, the things that didn't work for me before don't work for me now, which is basically this is kind of like a shell game that's full of a lot of trickery mm. um, in terms of. The disorientation Anthony Hopkins' character feels, what what is reliable and what is he seeing, and when things shift for him, what are we to really believe? I don't think it's a really accurate way of putting an audience member in the head of someone who is suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia. But it is a theatricality, and then it's, I think, a theatricality that just keeps getting repeated rather than fully advancing a story. Mm. So what I will say is, performance-wise, Anthony Hopkins is excellent. Okay. Um, Olivia Coleman is excellent. The rest of the cast, which also includes Olivia Williams and Rufus Sewell and Imogene Poots and Mark Gaddis, all very good. Um, Florian Zeller is the playwright and he has adapted his, well, I think he's adapted the screenplay, but I think another writer that I like a lot more and Christopher Hampton in translating it has actually done a lot of the adapting. Okay. Um, and Florian Zeller is also the director, probably making his directorial debut. As a playwright, Zeller does not really impress me. He has also done a show called The Mother and then another show called The Height of the Storm. These get really great, these get productions with really great casts. Isabelle Huppert, Jonathan Price, Eileen Atkins have been in these other shows. Um, they're all kind of shell games with some sort of like kind of gotcha moment that I think undercuts any of the, the pathos he's trying to achieve. So I can't say I think the movie is particularly worthwhile other than for the central performances, now, which are I'm, excellent, which are among the best of the year. And are the actors up for best? Are, are the actors up uh, for They are. Anthony Hopkins is nominated and Olivia Coleman has a supporting actress nomination. Okay. Okay. That's good. That's good. Okay. And that's, and those are deserved. It is also nominated for best picture and for screenplay. So, I mean, this, and has gotten good reviews by and large. So this is, you know, a big end of season success story for the film. You know, kudos to them. Uh, it's worth seeing for the performances. It's certainly worth seeing for Anthony Hopkins. And I'm, you know, happy he got in there. Uh, this one is available on demand, though. So you'd have to pay 
20 bucks or whatever for it. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Um, I right. thought, you know, I it's so funny. I don't even remember this play. Like, was it the same title? I don't remember that play being on Broadway. It was. It was a Manhattan Theater Club show. So it had, you know, like a 10, 12-week run. Came and went. Franklin Jella nabbed a Tony. I wouldn't have given it to him. I don't even remember it. it. Don't even remember it. Well, I mean, then, <laughs> then maybe Florian Zeller will write a play about you next. <laughs> even remember <laughs> oh please do so anyway i've done a lot of talking i turn it to you for a oh, change of pace okay so oh fuck i had a question oh do you need me to vamp i don't know i might i feel like i had a question for you and it's come. Oh, is it about the show you're watching? Oh, no. And I even made a note. I made a note and I forgot to look at my note. Okay. I know. So I'm dying to, what is this question? Okay. The, the question is Game mm-hmm. of Thrones on Broadway. Did well, you hear about that? Technically, this? that's not a question. I, I just read about it today. Yeah. They're going to musicalize it. They're musicalizing Game of Thrones. I just would love your hot take. I don't see how it could really possibly work, but I bet it would also be either really fun or a really fun mess. I'd be down to see it. I think it is going to be awful. And I think this is a big mistake. I'll leave it at that. I mean, do you think it's a big mistake? I mean, I don't think it will satisfy many people, but do you think like it tarnishes the memory of the show in any way? Or it's just like... (laughs) No, I don't think, I, I don't think, but I mean, I kind of feel like this is going to be the reverse of Cats, or like they made a movie that everybody mocked, and I kind of think they're going to make a stage show that everybody's got. Like, I don't see how this is going to work. And, yeah, I, mean, I can't I, imagine I, how I this translates at all. I, it, and it doesn't, and, you know, and I, because, like, the thing about the books um that i think translate we got you you know even if you didn't read the books you got this from the tv show is that it is epic it is an oh yeah there's no way you can transfer the scope and the depth of that universe into a show even if it's a three-hour show yeah no you can't do it and and it and in multiple it's gonna have to be a three-hour show in multiple parts i mean you know part one part you know what i mean like i don't know it just feels like um it's wrong because I I think that they did something. Oh, they turned they turned one of those big like Lord of the Rings into like they some did. Kind I was gonna show, say right? didn't they adapt Lord of the Rings? Yeah, they did, and it was kind of it was kind of a failure, but like a kind of quietly dismissed failure. Ultimately, well, it never showed up on Broadway. I no, think it, it was, was one of those arena things that they did that mm-hmm. was kind of hokey, mm-hmm. but ultimately like they were wise enough not to bring it into New York. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And say, this is a Broadway show. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, we didn't yeah, do I mean, that. <laughs> I don't know how you could do this and not just run the risk of self-parody. I mean, it kind of like in my head when I was reading it, all I kept thinking about was uh, Medieval Times. Yeah. Just being like, it's just going to be a really expensive Medieval Times. Yeah, I agree. 
So, yeah, that was just what I wanted to sort of throw out there. I mean, look, they've got some, it, this is all British talent that's doing it. It's like, who is it? Like, was it Dominic Duncan, Cook? Dominic or, Cook's going to direct and Duncan yeah. McMillan would adapt. Yeah, I mean, and for once, Jack Thorne doesn't have his grimy little hands all over this. <laughs> like, well, that's a plus. Like, I was, like, totally waiting for Jack Thorne to come up, but no. Um, and I guess Martin is going to be part of the writing process, which, yeah. bless Martin, up, you know? Well, sure, but Martin, like, get back to the books. Well, yeah, I mean, and Martin also just announced that he, a very lucrative deal with HBO um, to, to work on projects for them. So we're never going to get the books. Like, we're never going to see the actual book. And um, we are, I don't know, I don't know, we're just stuck with the Jon Snow ending unless somebody comes and does something with the ending. Or maybe they'll fix it on Broadway. Who the fuck knows? They may uh, change that for the sake of, of doing something different and fresh. But uh, They might. But, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of feel like this has um, Spider-Man turn up the dark written all over it. How are they going to do the, the fucking dragons? Yeah, I mean, there's so much in the way of effects. How are you going to do? Even if you do a lot with projections, I mean, no. And how are you going to do it in a Broadway house? Exactly. Because, I mean, you need to, you need like an arena. You need MSG for that shit, I think. Um, you know, I don't, unless they plan on like, I don't know, what's the, the extra large Broadway house that nothing works in because it's too big? Oh, isn't that the one where Harry Potter was playing? lyric no i thought it was a different i thought it was the other where the grinch was back in the like back in the aughts it was just such a cavernous is on the other Um, second Alyssa, what's the really big broadway house where nothing ever works where the grinch might have been but a broadway not the lyric I don't know. Alyssa doesn't know either. Oh, okay. Um, Broadway doesn't really work. And the lyric where Harry Potter is now. Yeah, I don't think it's the lyric. Anyway. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it was the lyric. I wish I could remember. It was over on 42nd, or, but 42nd and 43rd. It spanned those blocks and it was between. Yeah, that's the nine. one. It had different, it had different names. But that, yeah. that's the one you're thinking of. And that's the one where Harry Potter is currently playing. No, because it was further west. Harry Potter is between. Oh, further west, but yeah, it was further west. Forty second and forty third. No, it was between. Um, it was. It was. It was on the block between forty second and forty third. But I thought it was between like eighth and ninth, or ninth and tenth, or like it was further west. Maybe it was the lyric. That's where it is. Maybe it was the lyric. Oh, between ninth and tenth. No, I don't think there's anything. Maybe that. Maybe. Harry Potter changed the entrance of the theater. Maybe maybe it was the lyric then, and then and I'm like just I'm only and I'm only chasing place. it because I feel like that sounds familiar to me that there is this big house that nothing works in, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't I remember. Don't anyway, I'd have to Google that. But like, yeah, so it, it's just this sort of I don't know. It just seems like it's not going to work. Blah. Yeah, I would not hold my breath to to ultimately see it make its way here. Okay. But, I wouldn't be shocked if they tried it in Australia or New Zealand or something and I read about it and that was that. So I saw this really weird thing on Tell, <laughs> tell me more. And I only saw one episode because it left me with such a head scratch. 
I, I just was like, I don't even know what's going on here. So I was being fed ads on social media, like hardcore for this show called Paradise City. Right. Which I don't know if you know anything about it, but it makes total sense that I was being served ads. If there is a Venn diagram, I'm in the middle of like. Yeah, yeah, it, it falls into your bailiwick. It, it does, because it's like rock and roll musician story and supernatural story. And it's like there's and they cross apparently in this um, in this show. I only have episode one down. Um, I did not see the crossing of that yet. I've only seen the rock and roll, not the um, supernatural stuff. But it was one of the most confusing things I've ever watched. Um, it apparently, and this is why I stopped watching, it apparently is based on an independent film that got made a couple of years ago. And so the independent film is kind of acting as a prequel to the series. So the series is picking up where the independent film left off. Um, huh. So I was But what like, was the film called? It wasn't I also called was Paradise also City, also called it? Paradise City. Oh. Yeah. So it's, so already like the setup is super confusing. And so like when you go into it there, they've created it with an assumption that if you're watching the show, you know, the backstory. And so the backstory is something like there is this rock and roll band that all of a sudden hit it big. And the, the lead singer just went apparently like mental. And there was something about he sold his soul to the devil or some, some shit like that. <laughs> as and you do. As, as you do. I'm thinking like, okay, stealing from like the Robert Johnson, but whatever. Um, oh, you're, you're giving a lot of writers a lot. I'm of giving so much credit here that probably isn't deserved. Um, so, um, so he's, but for whatever reason, he has stopped touring for the past 15 months. And now we've opened up to like this sort of day before, um, or like the moment sort of towards the end of this 15 months. And, um, his band wants to get back to work. They're being chased by press outside of, you know, various venues or whatever saying, when are you going to cut an album? When are you going to go back on tour? And then we cut to him having like with his girlfriend in this like beautiful West Hollywood home by the pool and her basically being like, well, we need money. So, and he's like, okay, I'll set up a gig for tomorrow. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, management scrambling to like find him a, a place and they've got to fly the the drummer back from England, like, okay. So it's like this whole thing. And then he's going to do this show and whatever, whatever. I was so confused because I did not know the backstory like really well. And yeah, I can't believe that they would kind of do that. Yeah. They just kind of leave this backstory kind of hanging and you don't quite get it. Um, and then I'll also say, like, it's this sort of weird cast because, like, the band is all pretty young. Apparently, the guy playing Johnny Faust, the lead singer, is a has a band. Like, he's not an actor. He's a musician. And so he came to this sort of, like, I don't know if he was the inspiration. He was, apparently, in the independent film, like, as the star in that, mm -hmm. too. So I don't quite, I don't know, maybe he's the muse of the director-writer. I have absolutely sure. no idea. Um, but it's weird because you have these sort of young actors slash non-actors. Bella Thorne is one of the band members. Huh. Um, and then you have the sort of older guard who are playing like parents or um, management or whatever. And it's a wonderful cast. 
it's Drea De Mateo, it's um, it's Perry Reeves, it's Ryan Hurst, it's Mark Boone Jr. It's like all of these really wonderful actors, and Feruza Balk. Who, well, they all make sense to me here, right? And and so there's a real unevenness in sort of like story and talent, um, because you've got these really wonderful actors doing really kind of like what happens on Melrose place, like doing really wonderful things with very subpar work. And then you have the younger guard who really can't manage that same level of, you know, of work with the subpar material. So, um, and it was a very weird sort of um, filming dynamic to filming experience because it was, almost like rock and roll as viewed by saved by the bell. (laughs) Like it was like, it was like trying so hard to be gritty that it was clean. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you know when sometimes you have somebody who's trying so hard to be gritty and you look at them and you're like, because it's inauthentic because they're faking it. It's very, kind of like when, when grunge happened and all of a sudden, like the big fancy like designers were doing it was like grunge by gucci yeah and it's like this doesn't actually mean something to you yeah and it was was kind of like ah that doesn't mean what i think you think it means yeah Uh, yeah it it kind of had that kind of like feeling to it and it really did like i said like the filming really felt like it was like sweet life of zach and cody but really don't (laughs) um so i don't quite know what to make of this thing i i want to go and watch the original um the original oh so then but then i'm on social because i i ended up following them on instagram because i just wanted to get served it to remind myself that like i wanted to watch this um so i wanted to make sure i got served their their posts and stuff like that so i was following them on instagram and a post came up this morning on my feed that they said that they got pulled off of Amazon Prime and they would explain in a few days, but it would be off Amazon Prime for a few days. What? That's what I thought. And so so for whatever reason, this show, and here, let me see. I, I think I saved the, um, hold on a second. I think I saved this. Um, let me go into my saves. Um, so I can, so I can, yeah. Um, our face when we it was like a picture of the guy of the lead singer our face when we found out the show was pulled off of prime for a reason we will share with you as soon as we can meanwhile you can still get it on itunes and google play we hope to see it back on prime this week we will release an official statement on thursday to tell all of you why there have been so many conflicts with launching season one it is quite a story we love you for sticking with us and supporting this rock and roll universe we share together Damn, but it's it's back on Amazon now, right? I don't know. This was this morning, and they said that oh. this was like because I it's it it aired it it went out on Thursday or Friday, and I guess it had the weekend, and then I guess it got pulled off um this you know pulled off of Prime like in the last day or two, um so I and I only watched one episode like I said, and I was going to go back and try and find um the original before I tried again. Yeah. Uh, hoping like maybe once I saw the original material I would like have a better understanding and be a little bit more I feel a little bit more involved and a little bit 
you know, like, like I f- feel more involved with the story because right now I felt so outside the story and I didn't care about anyone. And I was just kind of like, I don't care about your shitty little band and I don't care about your shitty little lives and I don't care about your shitty little devil. And I just don't care. And just don't kill off Mark Boone Jr. Like, that's all I care about. You know what I mean? Like, I really had absolutely I, I, I wasn't buy, I, I wasn't buying into any of it. And I'm wondering, maybe I need to, you know, see the source material before, you know, before <laughs> I watch the rest of this. I have absolutely no idea. I think it's on a, I think it's available on something called Tubby. Tubi. Tubi. Yeah, um, which yeah is- I see a lot of things. I see things being advertised for it. I don't exactly understand what it is. I know it's nothing. It's no path I'm going to go down. I think it's a free platform, maybe with commercial. I do think it's free. It might have commercials. Probably uh, does. Yeah. So that was um, my shitty TV experience this week. Uh, well, maybe you don't go back to the movie. Maybe they're not worth it. Well, no, but now I'm definitely kind of like confused and like, and my interest is peaked because why would Amazon pull them? I would like to know that story. I would like to find out that answer. Yeah. And so apparently the creator is this guy, Ash Avil. Avildsen? Avildsen? Yeah. I think he's the son of the director of Rocky, among other films. John Avildsen. Oh, that explains it. (laughs) Well, now it all makes sense. Yeah, I mean, he's like, you know, he's American Satan. Like, I don't know. Like, this was sort of like, maybe that's what it was called. Maybe it was called American Satan. Was the Paradise City prequel? Yeah, I'm sorry. It wasn't called Paradise City. It was called American Satan. Oh, sounds yeah. like a movie I never heard of when it was released. No, from 2017. Um, so, yeah, it's like that was, I guess, his big his big thing. I mean, he's done a couple of shorts apart from that. And, and like, I just don't understand how you can do a couple of short films and then this, and then all of a sudden you've got this Amazon deal. Uh, yeah, sometimes uh, you get a nudge from another direction, and that's how it happens. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I was watching this, and I was just, and every once in a while, I would scream at the TV, "Why won't you give me a TV deal?" Um, <laughs> because understood. <laughs> because my series would be way better. Yeah, a- I would be extremely frustrated to watch it, and know that I crank out much better material. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty disappointing. So I may or may not try. Well, Karen, you have done nothing to persuade me to watch this. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> yeah, good. So, what else you got? Well, and I sort of teased this up on our sibling podcast, but um, we were talking about like our weekly routine, and yeah, Alyssa and I plan out basically what we're gonna cook every night now. Um, have been doing so for the bulk of quarantine. And we also sort of map out like our different TV and movie watching nights. Um, And the way we've started to reward ourselves in the last few weeks on Friday for surviving every week, and it does feel like survival sometimes, uh, we don't cook anything. We go to the nearby sweet green and we treat ourselves to a fancy salad. And it is a treat because we don't have to cook anything and we don't have to clean anything. Um, And we reward ourselves by, we used to watch like fun movies, like we rewatched Batman Returns and stuff. Mm. We decided to give something a try a couple weeks ago and we're hooked. RuPaul's Drag Race. I have heard, now I've never seen it because I don't go down that reality 
TV rabbit hole, but I've heard nothing but great things about it. Yeah, and I will probably talk about it at further length once the season is done. I think there's two or three episodes remaining. Um, but I want to open that conversation now for anyone who's listening to this might also be a fan, um, especially to talk to a newbie because we, we definitely have favorites among what we've seen and, and we have a lot of thoughts, but, but if there's anyone else who can indoctrinate us further, we would be very curious, but yeah, so you can count on a future conversation about RuPaul's Drag Race. But there's one other thing that we watched also on Hulu, also for free. Also, like Paradise City, not really good, but I'll talk about it anyway. Um, a documentary of sorts called Kid 90, which is basically just Soleil Moonfry, who was Punky Rooster. Yes, not very good, though. Oh, my God. Because I wanted to watch it. Were you going to watch it? I was, I was, but then I was, I was kind of like, I don't know if I'm all that interested. Like, I feel like I'm a little bit too old to have to be like, Oh yes, I, I must watch that. Yeah, it's uh thinks she's doing more than she is, but basically I mean she's a few years older than me, I think. So in the nineties she was like an adolescent to a college student or early twenty something. And she hung out post Punky Brewster, she was still living in Hollywood, though not really working a ton, but she was still hanging out with a lot of other people on the scene, a lot of other younger actors and actresses, mostly teens, but also some in their 20s, even a few that might have been in their 30s by then. And she apparently just walked around with a video camera during any time she went out, during any of her like hanging out periods, and just kept all of it for decades. And I guess now she's decided <laughs> in, I don't know, some sort of Hail Mary to like stay relevant or reemerge to, to create a documentary that fuses a lot of the footage that she has held onto, which includes old voicemails and journal entries as well from wow. five to 30 years ago. It's actually kind of psychotic. And all it's done is really to promote herself. Uh, she talks, a lot about a few of her friends. Um, you know, there are times where she has some photos or like quick video bites of her having hung out with, say, people that are now big, like Leonardo DiCaprio and Mark Wahlberg, but I don't think they were in her orbit very much. So she doesn't have much to say with them or to them. Mm. They don't appear. Um, she interviews some people that were remained kind of like less well known. Um, and they talk about like their days. It's very specific. It's very specific to like, you know, who she hung out with when she was living in LA with her mom in the house she grew up in. Then when she moved to New York and like took some acting classes and like the skater gang that she hung out with then it's, it's really like, there is no there there. It's just to watch Soleil Moonfry pump herself up. Like, yeah, that's doesn't what I was really wondering. Like, what doesn't really offer commentary on like yeah. an earlier version of um, like self aware culture before we had social media. It's not really about the grunge scene or the '90s as a whole. It's not really about segueing from being a child star to something else and the troubles and pitfalls therein. It can summon those things because as a viewer, you're used to hearing those stories. But this film if you can call it that, doesn't really introduce any of it. And it's also sloppy in another structural way because there are 
a lot of confessionals used as narration. It's Soleil Moonfray is talking to us. She's talking to the camera. But I'm like, who are you really talking to? Who is interviewing you? Because in other scenes, when other people are talking to the camera, they are talking to Soleil Moonfray. So, okay, mm. she's there prompting all of them, but who is prompting her? It feels like so canned and so who cares? <laughs> Even for free, it's not worth it. It's not worth your time. Yeah, was, I mean, I, and was there any, there were no revelations, no dirty deeds, no, the, the, the kids um, are not all right. Like what, you, like, well, I you know, like, what is the point? There is no real point. You know what the closest thing to a revelation is? She talks about this one guy, that she plays coy about saying she lost her virginity to. And the movie is very elliptical about it, but it seems very clear that it's Charlie Sheen because she doesn't mention him by name, but she bookends scenes talking about this man by showing Charlie Sheen. (laughs) So I'm like, well, he doesn't really show up in this and he doesn't speak in 2021 as Charlie Sheen, but everything from like you know, a syntax standpoint uh, of storytelling tells us she means Charlie Sheen, but it's like, okay, well now you're name dropping, but there's no, like, who cares? And, well, when I mean, were you hanging out, and when were you hanging out with him? And how did you find like yourself in his orbit? And when well, did things that, go yeah, bad? Yeah, I mean, that sort of feels rather horrific to me because no, he was yeah. probably coerced and it was probably not pleasant and it was probably dangerous. And it was, well, you know what I, I mean? Like, that's sort goes, of like where well, my head's going. It, she makes it sound like it was truly an experience she wanted and one that she repeated a few times over the years. And it comes after talking about... Uh, potential um like non-consensual sexual experience so the way that she talks about that followed by talking about he who may or may not be charlie sheen feels like enough to say that 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 it was pleasant and it was beautiful for her and it was needed for her but the whole like how of it is, is because she's so evasive um is you know off-putting for lack of a better word, I suppose. You know, and there's so much footage of her, like, showing these other people, like, a young Jenny Lewis and other people, like, doing drugs, holding on to paraphernalia, talking about how they have paraphernalia on them. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, (laughs) sullying the names of these people 25 years after the fact? Wow. So, uh... Yeah, it wasn't that much fun to watch. Oh, God. In fact, we turned it off with about four and a half minutes to go. Like, we couldn't even just make it to the end and say we did it. And I watched almost everything. We were just like, oh, we have seen enough. (laughs) You're like, no, we're done. If there there is a grand revelation at the very end, if there is one pearl that, you know, everything coalesces into this diamond, uh, then I'm. you know, the worse off for not have continued to watch to the very last moment. But we were not headed in that direction. Oh my God. We, uh, we're, we just did not have good experiences. That's not totally true because I wholeheartedly two thumbs up Lee recommend another round. Yes. But, but I mean, for the most part, it was slightly like. Juju-y. Yeah. 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 We kind of had a rough, uh, rough go of it. Yeah. Well, there's always next week. So I don't have anything on deck necessarily to talk about. If anyone else uh, has any suggestions, as you guys know, 
listeners we're always we're always open find us on back on the block pod on facebook um hit us up with recommendations uh yeah and um oh i just have real quick i i do have a good one um oh great yeah, I do have a good one, if I can remember now what it was called. Oh, it was did you write awesome. it down? Oh, shit. I'm such <laughs> a disaster with this. You'll have to tune in next week to find Yeah, it. you guys might have to tune in next week, because I'm going to sit here and be like, it wasn't side men. Hired Guns. That's what it was called. It was a documentary, also documentary. It is on... Um, where did I see it? I, I saw it on... Um, Amazon, but it was on Amazon as like a, uh, uh, like it was like Amazon with commercials, Amazon Prime, but they had commercials, so it was free, but you had to like deal with commercials. Um, and it is basically all about, it's a documentary about session and touring musicians in rock bands that are hired oh, by established fasc- famous rock Totally fascinating, totally wild, learned some stuff, learned, learned a lot of stuff actually, um, these musicians are badass. They like, they had them playing and they did like some stuff to like, they did like a couple of songs together. So you had all of these, like basically like the best musicians in the world um, that you've never heard of together in a room playing like some really badass music. It was absolutely incredible. Um, And you also learned Billy Billy Joel is a dick. And so is Trent Reznor. And, (laughs) And you sort of have like a, new appreciation like Alice Cooper like everybody wants to go out on tour with him he is apparently an absolute delight and um and he has a very like he and he also apparently has a a reputation for picking out the best session um session and touring musicians to work with um so if you're if you are one of those musicians and you're in picked to be in Alice Cooper's band like you will always have a job I I have always loved him so and I've always gotten the impression that he's a pretty professional guy with a good head on his shoulders so that doesn't surprise me nor does the Billy Joel stuff but I think the whole idea of uh, of session musicians touring musicians backup singers as well like the whole thing is uh fascinating it really is because it's like you know they were talking about how like I think it was they were talking about Ace Frehley in particular and how he has like you know everyone's like oh Ace Frehley's guitar solo Ace Frehley and it turns out to be one of these guys it actually isn't Ace Frehley that's doing it it's like which is really, really funny, you know, um, and Ted Nugent, like, you know, but, a, yeah, but like, yeah. he's not a singer. Like, he doesn't sing. And he actually, the lead singer of Ted Nugent is not Ted Nugent. It's this other guy who is, like, just a hired gun. Like, he's not even, like, part of the band. Like, like that was, like, sort of also, which was really interesting to me. It's like, they were part of the band, but they weren't part of the band. Um, You know, unless they were, say, replacing a band member um, who died, like... um, one of the one of the guitarists from the bass guitarist who is in Metallica now replaced the bass oh, guitarist when, when he died. Yeah. yeah, and so and so that's kind of a different dynamic, but it's still the same. They were actually hired by the band. It wasn't like you know the group of teenage friends that formed in the garage and became like this tight knit thing, you know. Um, and how Billy Joel is Billy Joel, but he also had a band and he had this band for like. Um, 
20 years, uh, you know, that backed him and they did everything together. They played together. They toured together. They were in the, they were, they were always his guys, you know, when it was time to make a new album, he didn't audition anybody else. He brought these guys in until, um, until one day he just like went bananas and he like, just like cut ties with everybody. Um, and, and that was obviously really awful to these guys. Cause it, I guess it's the equivalent of like working for a company for 30 years yeah, and it, sort of exactly. like getting shown the door, you know, um, in and a, in exactly a field that doesn't typically have stability. You think you've got it. Yeah. Yeah. And that was sort of like the other part of it is like, you know, some, how, how are you able to find the stability in this, li in this life uh, and in this career, um, by doing this job and, and like, sort of like what you need to do. And like one guitarist who was a heavy metal guitarist ends up touring with like being part of like Mandy Moore's band. And then he goes on to be part of Hillary Duff's band. And it's like really funny because he's like this heavy metal guy with like the chain belt and all of that. And that's actually like Alice Cooper found him on the Hillary Duff tour. And Alice was like, yeah. who is this guy? He's amazing. And he pulls him in to be an Alice Cooper. <laughs> so it, was, it was sort of like this really wild and, and you actually saw what a very small world it kind of became. It was a very, very cool documentary. And if you are interested in music the way I am, it is something that is definitely two thumbs up. I actually might watch it again because I just had so much fun watching it the first time. And I'm sure there are things that I missed. Yeah, I'm, I definitely want to see it. This sounds like a great wreck. Yeah, it was very good. So two thumbs up there. Well, excellent. See, starting and finishing on a high note. So to speak. Um, all right, I'm going to bed. All right. Well, pleasure to have you back and get some sleep and you guys hit us up if there's anything you want us to talk about otherwise happy passover have a happy easter and we'll catch you next week when we're back on the boulevard oh i'm sorry we're gonna go back oh, on i'm the, sorry we're, i'm sorry I, I'm we're gonna, back on the boulevard we're back on the boulevard for one second because i forgot this i have something to plug oh the floor is yours thank you um, for those who are interested in a little bit of behind the scenes or curious about what it takes to write steamy scenes when you're writing steamy contemporary romance or steamy romance in general, um, we're talking about the sex scenes. We're talking about graphic. We're talking about getting down and dirty with your characters. I am going to be on Clubhouse um, this Friday, April 2nd, uh, with uh, L.B. Alexander, a fellow author of mine, and we are going to be talking all about writing the steam. So if you're around at 11 a.m. Eastern and want to and are a part of Clubhouse and want to pop in and find us there, um, that's what we'll be doing. And I'll be doing it under my pen name, El Greco. I think you should be able to find me. I think that's searchable on Clubhouse. I don't really remember how to, how things search on Clubhouse. But yeah, find me and pop into our room. Guys, I encourage you to do it. I think there are going to be a lot of fun stories and maybe some revelations. And Karen, next week you have to explain to me more about Clubhouse. But that's neither. Now is neither the time nor the place. Oh, I will. I can send you an invite if you want. I, I didn't even think about that. But yes, uh, you have an iPhone, right? I do. I'll send you an invite. Um, right. Okay, so now we can say goodbye. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of a better note to end on. So yeah, you guys, keep your eyes and ears out for that. And, uh, and nothing else to plug. So we'll see you back next week on the Boulevard. Bye. Bye.